It is the 200 level episode 216. Bring on Bucky. That's right. Who's feeling it? Who's feeling another Wisconsin homecoming upset at Memorial Stadium this weekend coming up? I'm not. I'm not. But there's a chance. There is a chance. And I think part of it is that Wisconsin's just not very good and that Illinois is actually figuring a few things out in different parts of the game. And uh, we'll get into the parts they have not quite figured out yet, which are obvious. Let's start with some of the positives from that win against Charlotte. 24-14 to 14 on a rather cloudy but overall pleasant Saturday until the downpour. I think it was about 4 o'clock when we finally took our tailgate down. Enjoyed the Saturday watching the game with some friends out in Lot 31, maybe 20,000 people in the stands, but still a decent turnout in the tailgate lots. So, you know, we got a good foundation of Illini fans. They will show up for the most part, even with a non-conference team like Charlotte in town and not a lot of momentum after starting one and four. But you get to two and four based on the strength of your defense and your run game. And I know that the blueprint we talked about so often on the 200 level, and that Bielma, I'm sure, has talked about himself, probably even very specifically, is that if you can run the ball and if you can defend, you are going to win a lot of games in the Big Ten West. You almost started 3-0 and in the conference based on that, with no quarterback play to speak of, and we'll get to that in a bit. But what is really exciting is watching a defense and not worrying about the next time that they're going to screw things up. Yes, they gave up late touchdown drives to Maryland and Purdue. That's a shame. But coming into the season, if you would have told me that we could have simply a serviceable defense, I'd be over the moon. And it looks like that's exactly what we have. Serviceable and sometimes good. I look at the Charlotte team that has had some success on offense this year. You hold them to 263 total yards. You turn them over twice. You sack them three times. Passing 191 yards, rushing 72. The rush defense continues to be a strength of this team. Illinois, meanwhile, 336 rushing yards. Chase Brown, just incredible day for him. And when he's healthy, that is a different offense. And you are able to overcome against some teams the lack of any sort of passing attack. Again, we'll get to that in a bit. Special teams, we know they're good as well. So you have a fairly vanilla Big Ten West kind of blueprint here. Run the ball, defend, and win some games. Now, the problem is that the schedule only gets tougher from here, and that includes a Wisconsin team that has not been playing well, especially by their standards. Graham Mertz may not play, so that's good news for Illinois because they couldn't stop him last year. And they got smoked by a Michigan team that is much improved, but you probably shouldn't be losing at home to this Michigan team like they did yesterday. So there's a chance. There is a chance. What I would give to even have the Maryland or the Purdue game, so you were 3-3 three and three with Wisconsin coming to town, and it'd be that much more exciting. Because even if you beat Wisconsin, you're 3-4, and four, and then, oh, here's your, <laughs> here's your upcoming schedule. It includes Penn State and Iowa. So essentially, that gets you to six losses already. But here's the thing. Play the games in front of you. And with this Wisconsin game, while I do not expect a win, I expect a competitive game. And I think anything less than a competitive game would actually be mildly surprising when you consider how these two teams are playing and the style with which these two teams put on the field. Both of them want to play close to the vest because they just don't have a lot of offensive firepower. So you're going to see, I would say, a pretty quick game here. I'm guessing like a two-hour, sorry, not two-hour, but like a three-hour game based on the fact that both teams are going to run the ball over and over. They don't really have any sort of quarterback play that they want to rely on, and both teams will try to play the cleanest game possible. Fewest mistakes wins. 
Now, there are some drawbacks to that. And one of those seems to be the quarterback dilemma. And we'll start with that after the sponsors. But uh, it does seem like the only rational reason why Brandon Peters continues to get thrown out there as the starter is that he makes, I guess, less risky moves. I'm, I'm not sure. That, that has to be it. That has to be it. Even though we saw Brett Bielema for the first time yesterday really open up in the press conference about we got to do better, we got to hit some of these deep throws, of which Brandon Peters I don't think has hit any this entire year. So good news, bad news. The good news, you got the win. The good news, you have a defense that's actually looking pretty good, and credit to Ryan Walters for that. He has been fantastic the last three weeks with this unit, figuring things out after the UTSA and Virginia games where I think we all assumed, oh, great, you know, this is just lovey redux. No, it's not at all. Three games now, 47 points given up in the last three games. That's pretty good in this day and age of college football. So credit to him and the defense, a lot of whom, by the way, a lot of these guys are coming back next year. There are some super seniors that will not be back, but for the most part, you keep a lot of this defensive core and you're starting to build some depth as well. So there's some excitement going on there. Yeah, you're two and four. It was only Charlotte, but there are at least glimmers of hope. And you know what? For an Illinois football fan, I'm desperate for that, especially as I sit here two hours before the Bears inevitably take the field and gain maybe 150 yards total today. We'll see if they can't double. Oh my God, what would that be? That'd be tripling what they did the week before against Cleveland. I need something, guys. I need something. And I think Illinois, at least defensively, is giving me that. Before we get too far into this, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com. Now, they are celebrating their 15th year in business. I remember when they started back between my freshman and sophomore years, getting DP Doe for the first time at my buddy's place at Tower at 3rd, or Presidential Towers as it was known back then. And it was a breath of fresh air after we spent our freshman year having garbage pizza for you know $5 each from Drew's Pizzeria. Some of you guys will remember that. Now, DP Doe has been in business for 15 years for a reason. It is delicious. It is one of the best deals in town for food, and they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. And they have plenty of great Illini swag. Basketball season is just about underway. We are three weeks away from an exhibition game. So you need to get some basketball swag. And in the meantime, get some football swag for the upcoming weekend against Wisconsin and the two home games coming up after that. I wore my big guy football t-shirt yesterday in the lots. That might be my go-to going forward, especially for another 80-degree day this Saturday coming up. So that is fourthandkirby.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. We just re-upped with him and his staff for homeowners and auto. It's a great bundle, State Farm prices, but also personalized service that just makes it easy. We don't need to worry about anything. That is brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. Construction season never really truly ends. I mean, my God, it's October 2nd. It's going to be another 75, 80 degree week. These guys can work year round and they work on exterior home projects with expert craftsmanship, great customer service. You might even talk to Isaac Ambrose when you give them a call. So I recommend these guys uh, give them the the CARP stamp of approval, rectorconstruction.com. These guys are the best in the business in Champaign-Urbana. That's R-E-C, TORconstruction.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, let me take a quick sip of coffee here on this Sunday morning. I don't know if it's 
obnoxious to do the, but it's very good. Even better after a win. And I thought Illinois was going to lose. <laughs> uh, going into halftime, when Charlotte got that touchdown rather easily with, what, 45 seconds on the clock, and then go figure, Illinois gets the ball back. And of course, they aren't going to try to score themselves because they have no faith in their offense, specifically Brandon Peters. And while I started this podcast with good news, I do need to start this segment with the bad news. Apparently, you don't have a quarterback. Apparently. Because we continue to see time and time again, Brandon Peters get thrown out there, settle on his first read, miss wide open guys. I mean, Isaiah Williams had to be just pulling whatever hair he has. I don't know what kind of haircut he's got, but pulling his hair out, figuratively speaking, because he was open so many times yesterday and they couldn't find him. Meanwhile, you have these throws to guys in the middle of the field and you're leading them directly into big hits. Uh, You know, I know your receivers and your tight ends aren't great. I understand that, but they're good enough. This is a quarterback problem. And whether it's Tony Peterson or Brett Bielema making this decision, I don't know how much autonomy Peterson has for a quarterback decision. You got to make the move. And if there is one disappointment from yesterday, you got the win based on the strength of your run game. You could have gotten Sitkowski out there to get him some game reps so that in the off chance you play him against Wisconsin, he's not completely rusty. Well, if he plays against Wisconsin, he's going to be rusty. It worked okay against Nebraska. You know, I'm sure Wisconsin will be preparing for both quarterbacks because I would hope that there's a short leash on Brandon Peters. I, I, but I say that, and I don't think he should be playing in the first place. The numbers kind of speak for themselves. Yesterday, Brandon Peters was 10 for 19 for 78 yards. He didn't turn the ball over. One touchdown. Uh, let's see, he was sacked. was not sacked yesterday. And credit to the offensive line. I know it's Charlotte, but the Charlotte team has played a couple, uh, I believe, Power 5 teams, and they beat Duke earlier this year. Don't know how good Duke is, but they are not a slouch. So that was a decent group of five win yesterday. But Brandon Peters, 10 for 19, 78 yards. If you want to do yards per catch, that is about eight yards per catch. That ain't good enough. But even worse is yards per attempt. And when you throw the ball nearly 20 times and you only have 78 yards to show for it, that is not good. But by comparison, this Reynolds kid for Charlotte, 17 for 23 for 191. So that is about eight yards per attempt. Brandon Peters, meanwhile, eight yards per completion. And that ain't good. What do you do? You play Sitkowski. I mean, we could sit here and try to say, well, he's not good either. And I understand that. But there is a matter of degree. Who is less bad might be what we have to go with. You know, the skinniest kid of fat camp. And I know that's not an ideal situation, but you got to go with the cards that are dealt. And Art Sitkowski went out there against Nebraska and he won you a game. And he can connect on the occasional deep ball. As much as I love this run game, good luck trying to do that all game against a Wisconsin defense with Jim Leonard calling plays on the other side. You need to be able to stretch the field somehow, some way. And Brandon Peters is not doing that. He is continually missing these deep throws. And what is so frustrating is that when he's throwing it, let's say, to Deuce Span, it was down the middle yesterday, I think a 35, 40-yard completion is what it would have been. And it was into double coverage, but it was actually a decent route. And if he would have just led Span inside the hash mark a little bit more, it would have been a completion. Instead, he had to go for some diving catch, and it was well-defended. It didn't quite connect. Okay, I've seen worse throws. But this is a pattern. He's not connecting on any of these. 
So the defense doesn't have to give him any credit. They can put nine in the box all day and just force Chase Brown or Josh McCray to beat them. And maybe they're good enough, both of those running backs, and maybe this offensive line's figuring something out where they, they can do that. But man, you know, we talk margin for error. I almost feel like by playing this super vanilla passing kind of offense and not stretching the field, while you may not be turning the ball over, you may as well be. What's the difference between an interception, right? Let's say the Art Sikowski goes out there, throws for 180 yards, and he has one touchdown and one interception versus what you saw yesterday with Brandon Peters, 78 yards, but no interceptions. I'm sorry, I'm taking the extra 100 yards. I'm taking the guy that can complete another one or two big passes so that it opens up the rest of the offense. I don't get this insistence on Brandon Peters. And I know that there were boos yesterday for the few fans that actually went in the stadium, and God bless you for those who did. But there were a few boos as they were walking into halftime. I don't think they're directed at Brandon Peters. I think we all recognize that, okay, as frustrating as he can be, he came back for a super senior year, and he's not the one saying, you know, hey, coach, put me in. He's, he's being put into this situation continually, and he's just not responding. Okay, fine. You came back. Thank you. You know, you, it's not easy to play football and all the commitment, but... This comes now down to coaching. And I said yesterday on Twitter that it would be coaching malpractice, which is a very dramatic term. Coaching malpractice to continue to throw Brandon Peters out there. But I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. You are two and four, and you should have been four and two. If you want to know if there, if there was such a thing as wins above replacement in college football for quarterbacking, we have a below replacement level quarterback in there right now. And maybe Art Sitkowski is also below replacement level. But one or two more throws in the Purdue or the Maryland game, and you win it. You win at least one of those in your three and three. If we throw Brandon Peters out there next week, and let's say he repeats that performance, 78 yards or something under 100 yards, 10 for 20, but he didn't turn the ball over. How awesome is that? Uh, But yet you still lose, let's say, 17 to 13 because your offense is just stagnant. I'm not going to feel any better just because Brandon Peters didn't make mistakes. You know, I mentioned earlier that that must be the reason that they're trying to play this sort of low-risk football and they think that Brandon Peters is less mistake-prone than Art Sitkowski. And maybe through the course of a season, that may be true. But keep in mind that Brandon Peters against Maryland was very mistake-prone. And even if it isn't always an interception like the absolutely boneheaded throw that he had against Maryland after you just got a turnover. You could have taken that game over and instead he gives it right back to Maryland. Okay, so we can take the mistake-prone thing and we, we that label might apply to Brandon Peters. But it's not just the interceptions. It's the misreads. It's the bad throws. How many good throws were there yesterday? Even some of the completions feel labored. Then there's the intangible quality. You know, there's just something, whatever the it factor is, he doesn't have it. And when Illinois was losing yesterday, I'm texting with Trevor and Isaac, and Isaac's actually in the game. You know, he is that kind of fan. He was there, him and his fiance being good Illini fans, but he could sense it from inside, and I could sense it watching the TV that the sideline for Illinois in that first half was rather blech. And I could tell that, you know, Brett Bielema was not altogether pleased with the overall performance yesterday. That's good. He shouldn't be pleased with the complete thing. But I do think part of it, You know, not to sound like too much of a meatball fan, but I do think part of it may be that 
you don't really have a quarterback that inspires a lot of excitement. You know, we could say that Art Sitkowski lost the UTSA and the Virginia games. But we also need to keep in mind that the defense was not playing in those two games like they are right now. So how would Art Sitkowski look now that the defense is looking serviceable? I think it's worth putting him out there, not to mention the fact that he would be on the roster next year and not Brandon Peters. So let's go down the few different scenarios here. If ultimately your goal is to somehow rebound the season and make a bowl game, which quarterback gives you a better chance for that? I still think it's Art Sitkowski. If we're playing the long game and we want to see, okay, well, what does the quarterback room look like next year? You play Art Sitkowski. If it's about, well, how can we stretch this offense a bit and, and you know connect on some deep throws? It's Art Sitkowski. And I'm not extolling the virtues here of Art Sitkowski as some sort of you know, top half of the Big Ten quarterback. No, he's probably towards the bottom if he were to play an entire season. The Rutgers stats would tell us that. But he also would not be asked to do too much the way that this running game is going right now and the way the defense is going. Put him out there. Now, if you put him out there against Wisconsin and he stinks, okay, maybe I eat my words, but I don't really think Brandon Peters were looking at a guy right now that is going to go out against Wisconsin and excel. You know, two years ago, Brandon Peters was fine against Wisconsin. That was a weird kind of game where you got some timely turnovers. They just let you hang around. They made a few mistakes and you capitalized on them. Illinois deserved that win two years ago. And Brandon Peters was part of that. Brandon Peters has won some Big Ten games. But there's just something missing. There's something missing. And when you have other parts of this team right now that are starting to develop some mojo defensively, They're starting to believe in what they're doing. They pitched a shutout in the second half, and that was a game for the taking for Charlotte. They pitched a shutout. And we're starting to see some guys really come into their own. So I'm excited about that. I know the team would have to be excited about that. They see what Chase Brown does and know that Josh McCray, while he had an off game, you have two absolute studs that you can run in the backfield. That's got to be something to get your mojo going. You got a good punter and you got a good kicker. That matters. It does. So what are we missing in terms of mojo? Passing game. That's it. So if Brandon Peters is to play, then I'm sorry, but Tony Peterson has to figure something out. I still think that the play calling has been absolutely frustrating and that good running backs have masked an otherwise paltry offensive scheme. I don't really know what Tony Peterson's doing, and I am... I don't know if alarmed is the right word, but I am concerned that this guy was a bad coordinating hire. I feel a lot better the last three weeks about Ryan Walters, on the other hand. But if you're Tony Peterson and if you have the autonomy to make this quarterbacking decision and you decide to put Brandon Peters out there yet again, then you got to figure something out. You got to just let him run. For God's sakes, the guy is a pretty good running quarterback. Got you a couple first downs, I think, yesterday. At least one in the first quarter on that long eight-minute drive that ended in a field goal. (laughs) Like, that should have been such a great statement, right? An eight-minute drive at the start, and you end with a field goal. And I, it's just, uh, you got to be kidding me. Tony Peterson, it's Charlotte. This is not a good defense that you faced yesterday. The good news is that Chase Brown put up an all-time running back performance in Illinois football history. I think top four in terms of yardage. I mean, that masked a lot of issues offensively yesterday. The offense is not getting better, but you have good running backs that sort of mask all that. So Tony Peterson, figure it out, dude. And and for the love of God, stop trotting Brandon Peters out there. It ain't working. 
it is just one of those obvious things that it, it can be so vexing as a fan because it's like, am, am I not as, <laughs> am, am I a dumb observer of football? Am I missing something? You know, there must be some something going on in that quarterback room that's making those coaches think that Brandon Peters is still the guy. I, no, well, keep it simple. He's not executing. Give it to the other guy, let alone the guy that's going to be on the team next year. And hopefully Art Sikowski is not your starter next year, but there's a chance that he might have to be. Even if you go out and get a transfer portal guy, well, you're an injury away from Art Sikowski being right back out there. As for Brandon Peters, this is it. So I don't see any loyalty or any reason necessarily that you continue to trot him out there. I feel like this is just one of those recurring storylines that it even gets tiresome talking about. I mean, that was about eight, nine minutes of me talking about Brandon Peters. But it speaks to a larger issue. It speaks to the fact that, yes, Lubby Smith did not leave you with much in the quarterback room. But also speaks to the fact that in college football and in pro football too, if you don't have a quarterback, good luck. You know, you really have to accomplish a lot of stuff through smoke and mirrors and just hope that the other team sort of steps on their own foot. Wisconsin might do that. Wisconsin might. They are not good right now. And they could certainly turn it around. I would be surprised if they don't finish 6-6 six and six or something like that. But as we look at this game next week and see what Wisconsin has become. Uh, let's see here if I can find this. Hmm. Illinois, Wisconsin... Wisconsin sitting there at one and three. Now, yesterday, this is what Wisconsin put up offensively. 210 yards, 167 passing, 43 rushing. This is reason for optimism coming up on Saturday. Wisconsin has not been running the ball well all year. They don't have that stud running back. They don't have a Monte ball, right? They don't. I think that you can keep this game close throughout. I think actually not just could, but I think you should keep this game close because they are not going to run the ball. So then it comes down to, okay, if Graham Mertz is hurt, and we know what he did at Illinois last year, and you got this Wolf guy in there instead. He was three for eight, 52 yards, one touchdown, one interception, sacked three times. Now, you don't have the horses on defense, I assume, that Jim Harbaugh has at Michigan, but you are finding your way to the quarterback a little bit more. You're starting to see that there are some combinations in the front seven that kind of work. I'm just saying, I think that you defensively will keep Wisconsin at bay. If you tell me right now that Illinois scores 20 points next week, I put a 50-50 shot that they win the game. 20 points. And that can include, I guess, a defensive score. You might need it. <laughs> you might. You might. But 20 points. Wouldn't you give Illinois a 50-50 shot if you said right now they're scoring 20 on Saturday? Come on. That's modest expectations. Modest against a Wisconsin team that, by the way, defensively, I know that they have those moments where you look at them and say, that is a Jim Leonard defense. And the game kind of got away from them against Michigan. They started the season against Penn State at home. They lost 16 to 10. Penn State looks very good. So that is not a bad loss by any stretch. Eastern Michigan, 34 to 7. They win at home. But then Notre Dame, which, by the way, Notre Dame gets beat up pretty good by Cincinnati yesterday. We don't know how good Notre Dame is. They lose 41-13. to Again, the game got away from them late. The defense looked good for about two and a half quarters. Against Michigan yesterday, it was 13-10 to Michigan at halftime, and then 20-10 to after the third quarter. So again, the defense not really bad until it got away from them. But this is a pattern. The games continue to get away from Wisconsin. Michigan and Notre Dame are better than Illinois. Trust me. This is apples and oranges comparison. But I'm just saying the style with which Illinois plays should keep the game within reach and a chance to win it late. Who is going to make the play late 
to maybe give Illinois a chance to win. As this, as this week goes on, I'm, you can already tell I'm falling into that trap. I'm falling into that trap as an Illini fan of getting excited for a game that could very well end up being a blowout loss to Wisconsin. But this is where I want to have hope for the Bielema era as a whole. If I were to take a sunny side up kind of view of the Brett Bielema experience so far, even at 2-4, and four, you had a blowout loss to Virginia, but every other game has been competitive. Now, this was the easier part of the schedule. So if you were getting blown out a bunch in the first six games, that would have been red flag, red flags all around. But regardless, you are playing competitive football. And I think apart from Iowa and Penn State, you will continue to do so this year. Will it equate to many wins? I don't know. Will will there be frustrating close losses because your offense can't score? Yeah, likely so. But yes, sunny side up, you are competing. You're keeping these games close. You're also seeing that, okay, if he were to get his guys in here and just simply a game-managing quarterback, that the path to six, seven wins a year is not that far away. It isn't. And I know you're the beneficiary of an older team because of all the guys that came back, but how many super seniors are really killing it for you this year? I really am encouraged by the fact that the guys that have started to step up, even a Kirby Joseph, what a find at safety. There was a late hit yesterday, but this kid is playing out of his mind. He's fun to watch. Not a headhunter, but he hits really, really hard, and he's just a natural playmaker. So you're starting to get these little nuggets that you're finding in these different personnel groupings that make me think, okay, next year you're losing super seniors, but so what? You know, not to be glib about it, but I'm okay uh, kind of moving on from a lot of these guys. And I don't think that you may have to hit the reset button completely in 2022 like I assumed you would. So that's one encouraging thing through the first half of the season, right? We're seeing competitiveness and we're starting to see some guys emerge that with some help from the transfer portal and... I'll have to look at next year's schedule. I mean, it's way too early to do that. But, you know, in the Big Ten West, you always have a chance to win some games. I mean, look at the Purdue-Minnesota game yesterday. That's what you got. That's your Big Ten West. Other than Iowa, that's the Big Ten West. Because Wisconsin right now, we'll see what they are long-term. I keep waiting for that program to fall on mediocre times. They got to be close. And and they also got to figure, okay, are we going to keep Paul Christ here? Because I've never thought that that was that inspired of a hire for Wisconsin. And I always felt there was a shelf life to just bringing in another Barry Alvarez, you know, sort of type, whatever that coaching tree and all of its tentacles, how far it's spread. I think they got to make a decision soon whether or not they want Jim Leonard to be their guy. Because Paul Christ ain't it, I don't think. But, you know, part of me just wants them to keep Paul Christ because I think he is their great guard of football. Keep him as long as he want because... That ain't going to work in terms of being the elite Big Ten West team. I don't think so. That might be my heart saying that, you know, because Wisconsin's done this before where they give you the okie doke and you think that they're falling on hard times and then they just rattle off six, seven wins in a row and they figure it out. That would really, really piss me off if that ends up happening. I'm so done with Wisconsin sports. Um, But that's the Big Ten West. Northwestern stinks again. You damn well better beat Northwestern this year. They are terrible. They are terrible. Minnesota's at Minnesota. But without their stud running back, I mean, come on, just force their quarterback to make some mistakes. He he didn't really do that against Purdue yesterday, but he has earlier this season. You got winnable games out there. Rutgers is still Rutgers. Rutgers, Minnesota, Northwestern. That's three right there that you can win. That would be five wins. So Wisconsin gives you an opportunity to jumpstart the second half of the season and maybe go on a bit of a a bit of a role here 
Of course, you know, you'll have some hiccups like at Penn State and just, <laughs> I don't know how much credence he can put in that Penn State game. Iowa is so good. That ain't going to happen. But you got wins out there. Though, if you want to somehow miraculously make a bowl game, you got to basically pitch a perfect game in those 50-50 games and somehow get a win against Wisconsin. Because this would be Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa. I said those are the three not going to happen games. I don't believe that to be the case with Wisconsin anymore. And if there's any hope for six, you need to win on Saturday, if there's any hope. But at least there's hope, right? A glimmer, a glimmer on what looks to be an unseasonably warm October 9th, Saturday afternoon. You get the 2.30 game. We're having a huge homecoming tailgate. A bunch of people coming out for it. And some Wisconsin fans as well um, that are going to be a part of it. And it's going to be nice to wake up at two and four instead of one and five. I know that the issues are still there, but you give me one win and you give me just a chance, at least up until kickoff, I'll have that, well, you never know. And as a starved Illini football fan, sometimes that's all I need. It's just the, well, you never know. You never know. All right, that's all I got for football right now. Hope springs eternal before Saturday. Look at me. I'm just going to eat my words so hard. Uh, On Friday... It was Illinois Basketball Media Day, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that and go over some of these Underwood snippets. Just kind of following, I was during my prep period at school on Friday, and I'm kind of doing some grading, and then I'm following along with with Jeremy's timeline at Warner 247 24-7. And I just wanted to go over some of the things that Brad Underwood said. Now, what I <laughs> what cracks me up about Underwood is he is sort of prone to superlatives when he talks about his own players for example you know Alfonso Plummer is the best shooter I've ever had period okay well hey he might very well be but that's one example Omar Payne I know he was heaping a lot of praise on Omar uh, see if I can find that here in just a bit yeah he uh a plus for offseason improvement Omar Payne okay not a crazy statement but nonetheless he does heap praise on his own guys but you know, as I'm following this on Friday, I understand why he has that level of excitement because I do too. I've mentioned before on the podcast that I think that this team has a unique opportunity in a way that last year's team didn't. I feel that there is less pressure in a way. I feel like there is less of a, this is it, this is our only chance to do this. Whereas last year with with so many external factors, right? The fact that they were basically granted an extra season because of COVID and that Iowa would not have come back otherwise. I think the entire season had this feeling, you got to do it now. It's now or never, right? And then we get this do-over, essentially, after the Loyola game. As disappointing as that was, and Brad Underwood spoke to that, that you get a do-over and you can use that for whatever fuel you need. And I think they will use it for fuel in a positive way. I think that when it comes to chemistry, you know, Io, it wasn't a chemistry issue. You know, the guy was one of the best teammates you could have. But I do think that when you have a playmaker that for three years is the guy, you will inevitably look to him in any sort of late game situation. More often than not, it worked out with Io because he got it done. But what that also meant was for the first 30, 36 minutes of some of these games, you're just kind of sleepwalking through them. Take the Northwestern game at home last year. It took Io basically bailing you out and after you let Northwestern hang around and hang around. I don't see those sorts of repeat performances this year because while Crabello is the guy, along with Kofi being the guy, you have a lot of guys. And I think there's more, they're going to be more prone to not look specifically for one guy to fix it. 
And if they do look for one guy to fix it, it'd be Corbello. And his inclination is, yeah, I can score, but I'll also find other guys for wide open buckets too. I know, I, listen, I know that Io did that as well. Io was not at all a ball hog. He was one of the best facilitators in late game situations as well. But ultimately, I do think that there's less of a burden on this team for feeling like we got one more year with our superstar and this is it. Yeah, they got one more year with Kofi and that's it. Um, but I, it just feels different. And I wish I could verbalize it a little better than I probably just did. But I get why Brad Underwood essentially said on Friday that he is just as excited for this team and thinks they can accomplish everything and more that last year's team did. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that this team, the expectation is to win a Big Ten title. I think they will. I don't think there's another team in the Big Ten that I would take their one and two guys like I would take our one and two guys. And I think that the supporting cast is just as good as last year. I really do. Let's go over some of these uh, quotes from Brad Underwood on Friday. He says, I'm excited for this group because I think they accepted the challenge of remembering what that last game feeling was and knowing how abrupt your season can end and how distasteful that can be. This group has taken that very seriously. I use the word abrupt a lot after that Loyola game because it was the abruptness that made it so shocking and difficult to deal with. Essentially, the summer for me was take a break from Illini sports summer. And I think I'll probably do that going in, going forward anyways with a, a podcast here and there. But I didn't really want to think about Illini basketball that much because it, it hurt. We got so invested in that team and God knows how invested they were. They actually put the work in. Here I am going about my life and for two hour chunks at a time, I get to watch a good basketball team play. But it ended so abruptly and I think that there is a lesson to be learned from that and there will be an urgency with which they play. As Brad Underwood talked about on Friday, you know they didn't have their A game against Loyola, but you got to find a way to get it done. Even when things are not coming easy, you got to go that next step. And they didn't do that against Loyola. The frustration wasn't, oh, we didn't have our A game. The frustration was, well, you didn't have your A game and you didn't do a whole hell of a lot to dig yourselves out of that hole. There was not urgency in that Loyola game. And that bothered me more than the fact that you just weren't efficient. Uh, Let's see. We got to be tougher than we were a year ago. This is from Underwood. We have to be mentally more consistent. We can't just be when things are good, things are easy. We got to fight through more of the tenacious moments, the downtrodden times. We look back at last year and the last month, right, was an incredible run. The best month I've seen as an Illini fan. It was remarkable. It really was. But don't forget those moments of frustration. And it's not just, oh, you lost a game here or there, or oh, you had a bad half here or there. It was the fact that that team at times could look detached. And that was maddening because, you know, back to the sense of urgency, you know, we're sitting here during a pandemic and, and thinking, guys, this is Iowa's last year. You got to give us something here. You got you to go out there and, and play every game like it's your last. And they weren't really doing that. Um, and that it didn't bother them or it didn't affect them, I, I should say, for four weeks of the season between early February and early March until it did affect them. Right. All those bugaboos came back in one fateful Sunday late morning game against Loyola. And they got to get out of that early. If I, if I see signs of that, even in November and December, I'm going to be mildly concerned that it can rear its head in March when it matters the most. Underwood said, we dealt with some expectations last year. We know we have them again. We're excited about that. You know, I think last year, back to the idea of it being a burden, I'm sure they were excited to be the preseason Big Ten favorites last year with Iowa coming back. I think a lot of people had them as Big Ten favorites. 
top 10 team, I think four or five uh, ranking to start last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that along with that excitement came some nerves. I don't know if there's going to be nerves this year. I think that the personality of a guy like Curbelo being your lead dog in the backcourt goes a long way because while Iowa was a great lead dog, there's something about Curbelo that seems to say it's all good, you know, like never really gets flustered. Um, God, I'm saying all these things and it makes me sound like I'm accusing Iowa of not being a great player. I, you know, Iowa was everything and more. You know, he he was the one that I hope we look back on as the turning point for Illinois basketball. His place is secure in Illinois history. But I think that being the first guy to turn things around, that's not always an easy gig. Crabello doesn't have to carry that weight with him, right? And I think that that kind of trickles down to the rest of the team. There's less weight on, on this. Underwood did mention that he literally just watched the last game, the Loyola game. It's taken me a while to process all that. You know, I've never revisited that game. I have no plans to do so. I remember those two hours very well, and it was like, you know, a persistent headache. You know, not a migraine, but just a persistent gnawing headache, and you're just waiting for it to get over, right? In a weird way, I just wanted it to end <laughs> because it was such a drag. All 40 minutes of game time, it was just, you know, Loyola sort of drug everybody down in the mud with them. And there was a hopeless feeling, and it just wasn't fun to live through that. And not not so much anger at the end of it, just a, a huge feeling of emptiness. So I can only imagine how for Underwood and the players on that team, I mean, why would they revisit that? But he did, and he said that they talked about it yesterday, that would have been Thursday, once as a team, and that was the last he was going to bring up about it. But I do think that that seed is going to be there with him for the whole season. All right, he mentions Coleman Hawkins. 25 pounds this offseason. Here we go. 25 pounds of muscle. This is a guy I'm really, really excited about his development. I think that Hawkins will play a role on this year's team. I don't expect a monumental jump. Don't think you need it either. But I'm looking for energy and defense and, and rebounding from him. Let's see. Underwood also talks about, hmm, Alfonso Plummer can take a chunk of the scoring void vacated by Io. So that's encouraging. I do think a Plummer could be a 10, 11 point a game guy. And there's going to be some games where he gets you 20 because he's a bit of a microwave and some games where he gets you five. But 10, 11 points a game, and hopefully you can combine that with Trent Frazier being even more efficient offensively because we saw what Trent did when Iowa was out last year, and I'm, I'm trying to see if that can't be stretched out through an entire season. Uh, let's see here. Austin Hutcherson, he's the unicorn. He's the guy that we keep waiting for, that we know when he gets out there, that's the missing piece. He says it's unique, or he is unique. There's nothing he doesn't do or can't do. He can play the point. We've been playing him a lot there through the fall. Terrific athlete, can pop over little guards, good catch and shoot guy. No, he hasn't done it yet for us. I am making all these expectations based on the fact that Hutcherson is not going to contribute a thing. And I'm doing that because I've seen this before. And I don't want to use the Alex Legion example because that may be unfair, but the preseason or the offseason you know, workouts and all these glowing reports you hear, listen, as a fan, I got to see it. If Hutcherson actually is good, if he is half as good as the supposed ceiling that he has, that is a weapon that you did not have last year. Got to see it. But if he is anywhere close to what they say, you were going to be better than last year. I really do believe that because there was not a guy, you looked at the wing position last year 
And there were matchups where you struggled, where you would have to put a DeMonte, for example, on an EJ Liddell. And credit to DeMonte. He did a great job at times. But it would be nice defensively to have a longer guy with more athleticism to couple with Grandison. And offensively, I, I think you were missing that all year. It was really boom or bust. You had really good backcourt guys, but a lack of size. And then you had Kofi. Grandison, to his credit, really developed into a role. And, you know, that's a guy that we aren't really talking about. Grandison's a good piece. But you do need more depth at the wing position. And I think Hutcherson can provide that as long as he's healthy. Here it is, Alfonso Plummer, one of the best shooters I've coached, period. Cool. I, I, I could believe it. You know, I mean, he's only been a head coach for seven years, right? Um, if that is the case, then that just makes the whole offense that much more awesome. Underwood discussed how the team will shoot more threes and make more threes. Well, they made a lot last year. A lot. And there were times where maybe Adam Miller would not be the best shooter out there or Trent Frazier would be off and you think, God, come on, guys, make the open threes. But they made a lot last year. They were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the Big Ten. So if they get even better at that, mixed with Kofi down low, okay. (laughs) Uh, That's fine with me. He talked about uh, Trent providing leadership and practice. Corbello has an alpha personality, of course. Uh, Oh, yeah, vaccination for the team. Still a work in progress, but the program is very, very close to perfection. I know the football team is, so good for the basketball team for getting that done. I, I don't want mid-season breakthrough cases for any of these guys. You know, they got to live their lives. They shouldn't have to be in a bubble like last year. But fingers crossed. I mean, COVID may still be a factor for the occasional breakthrough case and just hoping none of them gets it. Okay, so for Underwood also, A-plus for Omar Payne's offseason improvement. He does say Omar Payne and Kofi will play together at points. I could see that. I think that Omar Payne is the sort of Baylor big. What you saw from Baylor's bigs last year, they make the garbage buckets, they run transition well. And they defend well. And I think Omar Payne can do all those things. And I'm hoping that this year can help develop him enough where when Kofi leaves, of course, you're going to take a step back at the center position, but hopefully not an exponential step back. And you'll have to change a little bit of how you run things on offense. You know, there's not going to be a Kofi after this year. So you're, you're going to have to be more of a Baylor type of offense. And that's okay if Omar Payne can just fill that role well. He's got the size and athleticism to do it. And he was a highly regarded recruit. And we'll see if they can't work their magic with him. So that was on Friday. It was fun following that and crazy to think that here we are. And it's basically time for basketball. We're three weeks away or now 19 days away. Is it right? The 23rd, 19, 20 days away from the first exhibition game. I think that's on a Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night at the State Farm Center. And that's going to be great. You know, even for an exhibition game, getting back in there, I'll be there for the first game. I'll be there for most games, which means that our post-game pods will be more for the away basketball games. But there's plenty of those too. But we're here, you know. I mean, I'm trying to think for this Saturday coming up, the tailgate. I got my fourth and Kirby shirt, but I also got my Stitch Kofi jersey. And it's, I'm already feeling that basketball buzz. And to be able to experience another season where you have expectations and you are probably going to be a top 10 team throughout most of the year, right? This doesn't happen a lot. Even for a basketball program like Illinois, there's not been many perennial top 10 teams in my life. So I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, try to at least, uh, and hope that there are less valleys than what you had last year. Because while there may not be as many 
dramatic highs. And you think of all the late game heroics from Io. You think of the Michigan win last year that was just incredible. Those are all time moments. I'm hoping for a more steady kind of year. I think I went down the schedule and, and went with 27 and five, which <laughs> that's a crazy good record in the Big Ten. I do think they can do that. I think 27 and five is right there. And it's always kind of a futile effort to do a, a dare to dream before you see other teams play and before you see this team play. But they have the makeup and they have the talent to do so. So why the hell not? You know, there's enough continuity on this team where I don't think there'll be that transition period at the beginning of the year where they figure out who's what. You know, losing Adam Miller, I'm, I don't want to downplay that because I really thought that he was going to have a breakthrough sophomore year and he very well made for LSU. But fortunately, with Kofi coming back and with a guy like Plummer as a stopgap in the backcourt, I don't think you lose a whole lot there. And I'll be honest, my expectations for this team are based on the idea that Andre Curbelo will be a superstar all year. I think he will. He gave me no indication to think otherwise. The way that he played the last month and a half last year, this kid is one of a kind. And he's already a fan favorite, but by the time he's done here, I get the feeling that his legacy might be even bigger than Io's. That's a lofty thing to put on a sophomore. I get it. But he has so many things that you can't teach. And you mix that with experience and the game slowing down for him like it did last year. I expect exponential growth from him. And that's scary to think about when you consider Corbella was arguably the best player on the team for the last two weeks of the season. He had an off game against Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. But if you look at that week that Io was out, and you look at the Big Ten tournament in the NCAA tournament, Crabello, for a good chunk of that time, was your best player. And that's exciting. When your point guard is your best player, everything changes. Um, you know, I'm saying that. I mean, Kofi is the best. Okay, who's the best player in this team? This is, I guess, like most valuable player discussion. Who's the most valuable? Who's the best? Kofi is, I think, the best, right? He's a top five player in college basketball. He does things um, that others just simply can't do. But you could make an argument, I think, that Corbello was the most valuable because one, he is going to maximize what Kofi can do. But also he's going to maximize what everyone else can do around Kofi. You know, Kofi is one of those, talk about a unicorn, like I said for Hutcherson earlier, you don't get Kofi Coburn's, well, you won't get a Kofi ever again. You won't get a, a big as good as Kofi ever again. He is the best big in Illini history when all is said and done. So, again, lofty expectations. Uh, but when I look at what Corbello can do for him as well, um, it, it just seems that everybody is elevated because of a point guard like that. So, here I am just rambling about Illini basketball because it's fun. They're back. They're going to be really good. They're going to win a Big Ten tournament. And this year, they are not going to have an early NCAA tournament hiccup. They're going to get it done. I am supremely confident about that. All right. Well, this was a happy 200 level. The football team won. Wisconsin isn't that good. See, you got a shot on Saturday. You know, listen, score 20 points. That's your challenge offense. Score 20 measly points. And I think you can win. That's it. They can do that, right? And basketball, three weeks from now, exhibition game. So, hey, we're, we're getting into the fun part of it. I wish the football team were four. They should be four and two, but they're two and four. It is what it is. Um, but continue to show me growth and, and give me hopes that there's not going to be, 
you know, a team at the bottom of the barrel in 2022, and I'm seeing these younger guys start to get some more playing time and and show something out there and thinking, okay, you're going to have great running backs clearly next year. Go get a transfer quarterback and continue to grow this defense. And all right, maybe we won't be waiting forever. Wouldn't that be nice? Not a three-year rebuild. It felt that way after the Virginia game especially um, and the Maryland game to an extent. But now you're starting to see some consistency in parts of the team that I did not expect to see. So reasons for optimism from Fanboy Carp. Who would have thought? All right, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. They are celebrating their 15th year in business. So go online to dpdoe.com for a custom calzone with any topping you want or a favorite like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Those were our two go-tos back in college. As good as they were 15 years ago, that's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com, and you can use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. They got plenty of football and basketball swag, and because it's going to be 80 degrees, apparently until December, t-shirt season will go on for much longer. So I'm going to have mine in the tailgate lots on Saturday for Illinois, Wisconsin. Go to fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs. And Rector Construction online at recorconstruction.com for all your home exterior construction needs. And hey, construction season, it never really ends. So give them a call today for anything that you need done for your exterior at your home. That's rectorconstruction.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Thank you guys for your partnership. And hey, if you haven't already, rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Helps us out a lot. Thank you for the listeners. We had no midweek shows last week. We will get a midweek show this week. And then, of course, the Wisconsin game. And hopefully, we can shock the world again. All right, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And enjoy this uh, late summer heat in anticipation for Saturday, 2.30 kickoff against the Badgers. Bring on Bucky. It is the 200 level. Bing.